0: It's the Last Stand Podcast. Are you feeling run down? Do you need a natural way to boost your immune system? The all-natural B1 patch from USA Natural may be just what you're looking for. Professional athletes use it, and you can too. Just peel and stick, and within 30 minutes feel the natural boost of energy, stamina, and endurance. Visit BuyB1.com and enter the code BC3 for a discount on every order. Wear what the pros wear the all-natural B1 patch. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right. Last Stand Podcast. I am Brian Custer. And on this episode today, we're talking the sport of boxing. And as you can see, it has fought its way back from this pandemic. There have been some fights. One in Nicaragua, uh, by the way, where it was just the fighters, the referee. The judges, they even sprayed the fighters before they began the fight with a disinfectant. Uh, No crowds at all. And that's what you've seen here coming forward as boxing tried to make its way back. Uh, Some with sparse, very, very sparse crowds. Others with no crowds at all. And joining me on the show, the guest today, is pound for pound, one of the best fighters in the world. He is the unified champ, the IBF. The WBC welterweight champion of the world. He's known as the truth. Errol Spence Jr. joins me here on the Last Stand Podcast. EJ, how you doing, my brother?
1: Man, doing good. Hanging in there, just training, staying focused, been running. So and uh spending a lot of time with my kids, Ashley in the other room sleep right now. So it's been a lot of downtime, been slow, but you know, we've been picking up the training and uh me and Derry James just you know, staying focused, keeping the weight down, getting the weight down, and, uh, you know, ready to box and, uh, open, with the sports world to open back up so I can yeah. get, get back in the ring. Uh,
0: talk to me about this pandemic. Uh, you know, was there anybody in your family that, that came down with it? Uh, how did you avoid, you know, coming down with the virus? Uh, with me, I've been just staying away from people. Like,
1: it's just been training with Derek, that's about it, and coming home and just. You know, just spending time with my kids and just watching TV and just staying away from everybody. I, I can't tell you the last time I seen my friends. There's only one friend I've seen, and he, you know, comes to gym with me and things like that. But as far as – I think my, my – yeah, my auntie done had it, and she stays here in Dallas, and she's a nurse. She done had it. And then in New York, I have family, a lot of family in New York. And some of my cousins done had it too, but I done had any deaths in the family or nothing like that due to the coronavirus. So, you know, that's been a blessing in itself. But as far as myself, I've just been staying away from everybody and just basically just staying to myself.
0: And, and considering, I would think, you know, as you have recovered from your car accident, it was probably even more so, this was the last thing you would you want to contract. So I, I would think you were probably even extra cautious, correct?
1: Ah, oh, definitely. Definitely super cautious. But, um, you know, during this downtime, you know, it. You know, it really just picked the training. Like Derrick's told me, it was like, you know, there's really nothing going on right now. You know, you're probably going to fight around October, November, or whenever this boxing kicks back up. So we're just going to focus on, you know, keeping your weight down, getting it down, and, you know, focus on just getting stronger and just preparing yourself mentally to get back in the swing of things. So for me, you know, it helped me a lot. This is going on right now, but you know I wish it never happened because it's I got a lot of family in New York that's you know been going through a lot of stuff, and my grandma she's actually ninety six years old she's had a birthday like two weeks ago, and uh, the family are doing a great job of standing away from her and uh the only person that really sees her is my uncle and he takes a takes a shower and takes off uh the clothes that he wore inside the house you know to go downstairs to see her and things like that so they got to take extra precautions with her to make sure, you know, she doesn't get it because it preys on the sick, you know, so, and and the elderly too. So, you know, that's the last thing we would want, you know, for her to catch this.
0: What do you think that all of this downtime is going to do for fighters when they come back? Do, will we see fighters rusty or do you think we'll see a better level of competition because guys have been off for so long they're gonna to want to come back with a vengeance and just get at it. What do you think it's going to do for the sport? Um,
1: I think it's really all on the fighters, you know. Mm-hmm. Just like a training camp, it's all—it's all on the fighters, and it's really like a training camp. I mean, in training camp, you can't do nothing really but train, sleep, and watch TV. So, you know, for me, this has been just like a training camp, and you know, I would tell all the fighters to, you know, just stay focused, keep training. And if you can't train, train at home. Shadow box, uh, get a bag, uh, go running, and things like that, just to stay on top of your game. Because when it opens back up, I mean, you know, people are gonna be hungry, man. A lot of guys are hungry. A lot of guys, you know, don't get paid as much as I get paid, or much as top athletes. So a lot of them, you know, before this pandemic be going on, they've been just, you know, nickel and and, you know, basically scraping the bottom of the bucket. So, you know, they really, they really you know, want it now and they've really been focused and been training and stuff like that. So, a lot of them on edge right now and can't wait to box and pick back up. So, you know, I know it's a lot of hungry guys out there and um, I'm hungry to get back at it. You know, I got a lot of nice people that don't think I'm going to come back, you know, like I used to, but I'm going to come back even better than, than I was, I think. You know, I'm extremely focused now. My waist has been down. I'm in the 60s right now and uh, my goal is to get it to like, 57 is just sit on 157. So just 10 pounds below my weight. And um, you know, I just stay ready for when my number when my name is called.
0: Yeah, you 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 said that when you have some naysayers and they don't think that you'll be coming back like you used to, but you said you'll be back better. Why? Tell me why. Why why will we see a better version of Errol Spence Jr.? Well um, my thing, because the focus is
1: there, the focus is definitely there. And you know, it's just I got a lot to prove. You know, before I had I had a lot to prove before the Kell Book fight. You know, people was already crowning me saying, I'm the next guy, I'm the next, you know, champion or the next top dude or the guy that's gonna run the sport at the floor maybe and stuff like that. But you know, now there's been a lot of people, you know, saying, oh, he's not gonna come back the same or that crash and messed him up or you know, he can't come back 100 percent. And uh, you know, that that puts a lot of gas in my tank. You know, and, uh, you know, just preparing me to come back, you know, 100% ready, 100% focused. And, um, like I said, I've been training. I've been running. I've been – I think you – yeah, you texted me yesterday, and I was running. You know, you called me yesterday, and I was running. Like, I've just been 100% focused and ready and just – you know, ready to put on a spectacular performance. It's just everybody who's been doubting me. Because I've been looking at a lot of little YouTube videos and <laughs> and stuff like that where, you know, people have been doubting me. And, um, you know, just add fuel to the tank,
0: man. It just keeps me hungry and just keeps me focused and keep my eye on the ball. So you, you were talking about um, you've been training and things like that. Can you can you give me, can you look back on the calendar? Tell me when was the first what month was it where you felt like, okay, I'm fully recovered and I'm running and I'm working out and I feel no pain, no nothing? When was that? Um, That, that was in, it was either
1: January, January or February, probably January. Well, when I first got to the hospital, <laughs> it was kind of putting my mom was telling him not to do it. When I first got to the hospital, I had walked up the stairs, cause, I, cause uh, my training, my training apartment is like 23 floors up. So oh. I, I was man, I was limping and everything, and I got out the, um, I had got out of my my wheelchair, and I would walk up the whole, the whole 20, 23, 23 floors to get to my uh my high rise and, uh, you know, my my mom had to follow me up. <laughs> she had to follow me up behind me and she was out of breath. But that was like the first time that, you know, that you know I was just trying to test myself out, test my body out. But, you know, I was hurt for a while, probably until like January or February, where, you know, I was able to come to the gym without, you know, any pain in my, in my arms or any pain in my hip and things like that, so. You know, then after that, I just stayed at it, kept running, staying at it, and stretching out a lot. You know, I had to make sure because back before that, I didn't stretch at all. Mm. Now, now I'm stretching every day and stretching before runs and stretching before I go work out and, you know, basically adding that to my regimen.
0: That's great. Um, so, so take me back then to last October because I remember when I got the phone call. I was, you know, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, what do you remember? I mean, you got in the car, did you, you hit a curb? Did you hit a, a, a wheel? What, what, what happened that night? I don't, remember, <laughs> I don't remember nothing, Mike.
1: Wow. That whole day got wiped from my memory. Like, I don't, I don't remember nothing. I don't wow. remember, I don't take you, I don't remember being in the hospital. Like, I was in the hospital for two weeks and I don't even remember being in the hospital. I don't remember being at home. I was at home probably when I got off the drugs from from what the the hospital gave me, when I really just started kicking in and the pain started kicking in too. <laughs> and then I just started remembering everything. I was like, man, I was like, take me back to the hospital. <laughs> 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 like, I was paying, I need some more drugs. Like, that's when I really just started remembering everything. but. Man, the way that car looked, and then yeah. like, I didn't watch the YouTube videos at all of my accident. Probably in like a month, a month of going into it, I didn't watch nothing. I was like,
0: that was my next question because when you when you saw the crash video, what came to your mind?
1: I was just like, wow! Like I kept replaying it, trying to put it in slow mo, and just kept and kept watching. I was like, man, like it's crazy. It was just. I was just like, man, that was, no, that's nothing but God, you know, you know, there's nothing I could do to, to, you know, just number God and great genetics not to break any bones.
0: <laughs>
1: that was just nothing but God that, you know, I didn't, cause even the doctor couldn't believe it. Like I didn't break any bones or any fractures or anything. Like it was nothing wrong with me. It was just I was banged up, like extra bruised up, and my face was messed up. Like my eye was swollen and you know, I got some teeth knocked out and things like that. So, but <clears throat> as far as, like, anything just, like, messed up, like, broken or any, any lacerations and things like that, I didn't
0: have at all. Well, you know, you, you hear the reports of, like, you being thrown, like, 80 feet in the air from that car. And a lot of people say because you weren't wearing your seatbelt that night, it probably saved your life, that you might have died had you – had your seatbelt on only because of the way the car flipped over and things of that nature. Um, I, 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 w- when you look back on that, the the biggest lesson that you took from that and that whole that from that night and the whole experience.
1: Uh, the big lesson I took from that night is, you know, basically, you know, don't take things for granted, um, and. Listen to your parents, too, because my mom, for some reason, my mom would call me that night. You know, she had told me and, uh, and, uh, and uh, my dad told me, too. My mom was calling me that night, too, and just, you know, asked me what I'm doing and things like that. Just said she was worried about me, things like that. And actually, a dude had walked up to me and said that his dad had had um, had his dad had, um, had, like, had prayed for me that night, too like pray for me and blessing in the night or whatever things like that, so it's just I think don't take things for granted. I think you know at that time I was taking a lot of things for granted and um you know slacking on my training and you know basically not as focused as you know as i as I used to be and stuff like that so you know for me it was it was just you know get back on the ball. get back on the ball. am i am I gonna heed that warning? Because, I mean, that was a warning because, you know, that should have been fatal. And, you know, for me, you know, even when I was in the hospital, things like that, I said, said, you know, sorry to my kids and stuff like that because, you know, I would leave them out out here to defend defend for themselves. And, you know, now you took it for this world. You know, a lot of people, you you know, would feel that, like my mother, my father and my, my kids and, you know, my sibling and stuff like that. So, for me, it was like, are you going to heed this morning? So, there's definitely a warning or, or a sign that, you know, you need to get back on your stuff and get back focused and focus on the stuff that got you to the point that you are now, or are you going to keep on doing the stuff that you're doing. So. You know, so I listened and, you know, got back in the jungle, got back training and, um, you know, got back to the, the fundamental things that, you know, got me to where I'm in now as a unified champion. That's just staying focused, staying dedicated, listen, listening to my parents and being around my kids and being around people who, you know, truly love me and truly care for me.
0: Yeah, it's a great lesson. Um, do you think you got somewhat complacent? complacent once you became the unified champ. You know, I think a lot of people, for example, when Keith Thurman became the unified champ, a lot of people say, I don't see the hunger there anymore. You, you kind of see maybe the road that he kind of went down, because once you become unified, you're the man, so to speak, at, at the top.
1: No, uh, not really, because me, I wanted to fight it. I still wanted to fight everybody. Like, <laughs> it didn't matter, I think I got kind of complacent and, And you know, how I'm not I always train hard, like I always train hard, I always, you know, was focused once training camp arrived, but outside of training camp I wasn't, you know, as focused as I should have been, or I get weight I get too high up in weight and then training camp come around. I gotta run two times a day and one and always training a sauna suit and working on a sauna suit or I didn't want to fight around this time because you know this time is is cold time. It's it might be winter time. This might, it's not going to make me lose weight as far as running in the in the summertime or you know around July or August and things like that. So, you know, for me, it was just staying focused outside the gym, on outside the training camp, and outside when I don't have fights and down, on a down out downtime. You know, just staying focused, staying hungry and you know, making sure I'm more disciplined now and as far as my resume and what I eat and things like that. So, you know, a lot of a lot of young guys don't realize that. You know, you got that hunger when you're young, you know, you wanna make this you wanna make a lot of money. You know, you wanna win the titles and you wanna do stuff like that. And then once you get to that point, you know, you kinda bear off a little bit and, you know, something might, you know, tell you to, you know, get back on the road, you are tripping. But that's why that's why Floyd's so great, and that's why Michael Jordan's so great, you know, and that's why you know Kobe Bryant's so great because that focus,
0: yeah, it's that, focus that, that that's determination, yeah, that discipline. You know, uh, yeah, there's, it, there's a, there was a lot of people who would would talk to me and say, "I love Errol Spence as a, a fighter, as a person," um, but I see him around Adrian Broner, I see him around Javante <laughs> Davis, and and I always say, "Hey, look, you know, Tank is a great young man." S- some, sometimes misunderstood, but he's had his, his missteps outside the ring. And obviously, you know, there's a litany of things you can go on with Adrian. Yeah. But at the core, an, an, a nice guy, but they were like, why is he around those guys? It's going to lead him down a wrong path. I'm sure you've heard that too. Uh, how do you, now that you've made that change, is there things that you talk to them about, hey, look, we may, maybe we need to change about some of the things that we do outside of the ring?
1: Oh, I mean, it's something that me, you know, me and Asians talk about a lot. You know, it's something me and Asians talk about a lot. But, you know, it's basically, you know, I'm a grown man. And, you know, I can hang around, you know, anybody I want to hang around. I just got to, you know, it's on me. I take care of myself. And I'm, I I got to be focused on myself and make sure, you know, I don't do the wrong things or I don't do this, I don't do that because, you know, it could mess me up in the long run or when I go to training camp and stuff like that. So, you know, as far as anybody else, you know, of course they're my friends. I can tell them, you know, we need to do this or you need to do that or you need to get back training or you need to get more focused and things like that. I can tell them that, but it's more of a, you know, of a personal, a personal thing that you just got to do. And as for me, I got into that mode where, you know, I wasn't fighting for like seven or eight months, and you know, I take a lot of time off. And then when you got money, you're not doing nothing, and you know, you don't have people, you know, taking the right things. You know, you kind of rear off a little bit and you know, get on focus. But you know, I, I'm I'm happy I got I got that Waco call. You know, I'm I'm mad it had to happen like that, but as far as you know, I feel great. I feel 100%. I feel good. I feel focused. I feel like it was a wake-up call because, I mean, I could've easily, you know, lost my life. You know, I feel like everything happened for a reason. I could easily lost my life and I didn't, especially with something like that, and flipping out the car and falling and getting thrown from the car and landing 80 feet away from the car and, you know, me versus the concrete in my face and things like that. And I'm here, and I'm fine. And people can still see me and. You know, I'm still walking and I'm still running down the street and things like that. So, you know, it was just a wake hop for me and just allow me to, you know, to put a lot of things in perspective and, you know, and learn a lot of things and, and and take accountability for my actions and for my mistakes and not put on anybody else but myself and just hold myself accountable and know, okay, you did this and you did that, and that
0: led you to this. So what you going to do different now? Or you going to head down the same path? Wow. Uh, we'll wrap it up uh, just about uh, on this this topic with this, because w- sometimes when you have a life-changing event that happens to you, it, it changes you as a person. You've talked about as a fighter, you're going to be more disciplined and things of, of that nature. I know when I got diagnosed with cancer, I saw life a whole lot differently. For the people, uh, even the people who look up to you, um, talk to me about uh, how this changed you on the inside as a person going forward, where people may hear this and say, "Hey, look, Arrow was at the top. All of a sudden, he had this life-changing event, and yet, you know, he's come back from this and still can be back there at the top." What what, what can what can you tell them about how this has changed you as a person? Um,
1: for the most part, is you know, it's hard not to judge people because you know a lot of people you know go through things or you know, stuff may happen to people, and you not see it, but, you know, it's it's inside them, and, you know, you can't judge somebody on the the outside, on the outside, you're not in the inside yet, so, and it's time not to judge judge everybody, and even if somebody makes a mistake, you know, it's not, it is their fault, but, you know, you don't know what they're going through, especially mentally and stuff like that, and that's what me and Adrian talk about a lot of times, too, like, you know, a lot of people don't know. Adrian goes through a lot of stuff and, you know, a lot of stuff mentally and stuff like that, and me and him, we have talks, and a lot of talks about, you know, what we're going through, and just, you know, it's it's a, it's a, when everybody's counting on you, especially family, friends, and, you know, and everybody counting on you, could you're the breadwinner, and, you know, you that guy, and everybody's looking for something, and you don't know who your real friends are, and, you know, people coming up out the blue, and I mean, having women problems and women coming out of nowhere and, you know, beautiful women, you know, one uh you know, one the piece of your time and you know ten or nine and stuff like that, you know, it can it could definitely play a part. And that's what a lot of things that's why I would talk to like like his I don't think that's why I respected Stephen I mean not uh, what was his name? Um uh, Steven Jackson so much. When he came he was talking about um just laying down with anybody and getting anybody pregnant and stuff like that because I feel like a lot of athletes don't get that talk. They talk, you know, you, you tell them everything about you know the game and stuff like that, but they don't get to talk about you know about how the fame you know can control you and you know how you know women come out of anywhere and you know a lot of women want a piece of your time and yeah how women can deter you from, you know, your ultimate goals and your plans and stuff like that. So, you know, that's why I would talk to, you know, a lot of athletes about, about, you know, about women and fame. And, you know, I think he had this quote, even you know, one of the raps, he said, when you can look in the mirror and say, there I am, and, and you not perceive what you become. You know, I mean, I mean, for me, that was deep because you know he's saying like you can look in the mirror and not even notice yourself and not see what you really become. Yeah. You know, so that was, and, you know, fame kind of took you off to a to a different route. So, you know, for me, I would talk to a lot of athletes about fame and about you know stuff outside of of the sport that they're in. You know, stuff that that can deter them like friends and you know a lot of hang ons and a lot of people that come from the outside you know, trying to get a piece of you, you know, they're like leeches. They yeah. they bring
0: nothing to the table, but they're trying to suck everything out of you. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. Um, now that you're on the, the comeback and training and things of that nature, was there any fear, well, let's say, when you went to sleep at night, in the very back of your mind, EJ, where you said, man, I may not ever be the same again. I may not be the truth that that dog that people used to see. Did that ever creep into your mind? Uh when I was <laughs> when I was hurting,
1: it, it created to my mind was like the first, I could say like November, December, I was like, man, I don't know if <laughs> I'm better <possibly> <laughs> I'm hurting like bad. And then when like January came around, and cause I was already running like December. I was already running a little bit, but my hip was still hurting, but I was still running. And I was in around January, February, and then like right now I have no pain at all. And uh, that's when I really felt good. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm coming back. I'm coming back guns blazing, too. Like, a lot of people writing me off right now. I want them to keep writing me. I want them to keep saying I'm fat. And, you know, I look out of, out of shape. I look overweight and things like that. Like, right now, I look small right now. Like, I'm getting there. And, um, you know, I just, I just want everybody to keep doubting me. I, it's just feel to the fire. So, but at one point, I did think I wasn't going to come back. When I was, like, super in pain, I was like, I don't think I'll come back. <laughs> I might. Have to, I might have to take Brian the broadcasting job.
0: <laughs> you would take my job. <laughs> that's messed up. And I thought we were cool. Uh, <laughs> so, where where would you say right now from a health? 90%, 80%, 100%, Ninety percent, eighty percent, hundred percent, Where where are you right now? Well, right now I think I'm one hundred percent back. One hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I think I'm 100% back. I haven't sparred yet. And some I haven't do because um, I got two posts in my mouth now. And uh, they already held up. I'm about to get a third post in my mouth. And then after, after all that held up, then I'll be able to spar a foot. So when, when, when,
0: when do you think that would happen? When do you think you'll actually you know, take some leather and start getting back in the ring sparring? How many, uh, is that months? So, is that weeks?
1: Um, probably, probably
0: September, August, September. Okay. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Now, so if that's the case, then realistically, when you come back, and I know you you've said it, you've said it, hey look, I want the big fights as soon as I come back, but realistically, don't you need a tune up just to see where you are before <laughs> you jump into that deep water again? Uh, I don't need it. I don't need a team wrong. I don't
1: need no tune up, nothing. I'm a shark, so put me in the deep water where I belong. <laughs> 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 that's where I belong. Don't put me, don't put me nowhere in the pool. <laughs> put, me in my,
0: put me in my natural habitat. <laughs> okay, that's that's why I love you. That's why I love you as a person. Uh, your Dennis Ugas is one guy yeah. who's already come <laughs> out and said, "Why doesn't Errol Spence ever say my name? Or why yeah. doesn't any of the top guys say my name?" Your Dennis Ugas, what would you think about him as an opponent?
1: Uh, Ugas is a good fighter. He's a he's a he's a very good fighter. Um, I think he's a guy that you know that's always extremely focused. He got that you know the Cuban training, or um, the Cuban training factor where you know he's always training, he always focused. Feel like he's always in shape. But you know, as far as you know, big name, he's not a big name. You know, I think that's the only knock for You know, great fighter, but not a big name. I mean, he's not Danny Garcia. Not Pacquiao, you know, he's not Terrence Crawford, you know, that's only knock to him. I mean, once he gets there, you know, once he gets behind me, then I'll turn around and we'll fight. But yeah. you know, you know, right now, you know, he's just not a guy that, you know, I'm just gonna be calling out to fight because I mean, hardcore boxing people know him, but outside
0: of that, you know, nobody knows who he is. Um, you know, one of the things that they've talked about is when boxing comes back is obviously fighting. Uh, with no fans, uh, what about Errol Spence Jr.? Could you see yourself fighting in a in a venue with no fans at all?
1: I can do that. I can do that. Yeah, I can do that too. I mean, we spar with <laughs> with no fans. I mean, I can. I wouldn't want to. I definitely wouldn't want to. I, I would definitely want fans there. It it definitely is crowd pleasing. But I mean, no fans. I I can do that. I can definitely do that. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I will. I mean, I definitely mind it, but if push comes to shove, I can fight without any fans.
0: Are are you now just a pay-per-view fighter, or will we see Errol Spence Jr. on network television? Will we see you on premium uh, cable like Showtime Championship boxing in the main event again? Well, I think my next fight will be pay-per-view again, but I want to fight on Fox
1: because, I mean (laughs) – well, i give more viewers. So I want to. I want to get about six million viewers on Fox or something. But you know, I want to. I want everybody to see me fight. You know, when you fight on Peavy, it limits you. But you know, it is more money. But you know, I want to fight on Fox, where where everybody gonna see me fight.
0: What do you think? And you've talked about the big names coming back, but what's the more realistic fight? When Errol Spence, if Errol Spence is coming back, let's say October, November, what's the more realistic fight? Errol Spence Jr. versus who? Um,
1: the more realistic probably be Danny Garcia or Pacquiao. because I'll post fight at before my accident, you know, I was already lined up to fight Danny Garcia in January. Nobody got into my accident, then he fought a um, uh red catch. So. Um, so, um, that's, the, that's the more realistic goal because I'm not taking a tune-up. I already told Al, I don't, I don't want to tune-up at all. I, don't, I feel like, you know, that's not where I belong. I understand the whole, you know, you want to get your feet wet and stuff like that, but, you know, I can get my
0: feet wet with the top guys. <laughs> <laughs> Terrence Crawford, every, everybody in the world wants to see you <laughs> and Terrence Crawford fight. Uh, when do you see that fight happening is that something more 2021?
1: Uh, definitely that's definitely 2021. Um, that's that's not going to be my next fight. Um, it's definitely 2021. I don't see it going past 2020 2021. Now, my, my realistic goals would be Danny Garcia, Pacquiao, and Terence Crawford, or Pacquiao, and then Terence Crawford. So, I mean, that's that's my goal. Why I, I don't want to leave, you know, 147 without fighting uh, trans Crawford. Mm.
0: Um, what are the – and you, you've you said this. We've seen the video of you two in the, in the venue together and talk. You've even said that you guys have even talked on the phone about fighting and saying, hey, look, we, we can make it happen. Don't worry about it. Take me inside. What was that conversation like? Was it pleasant? Was it just – you know, do you guys know each other fairly well? What was that conversation like?
1: oh well, nah, no, we don't know each other fairly well fairly well. It's just, you know, I feel like it's just two real dudes just talking to each other. You know, he, he trying to get he wants to fight, you know, I wants to fight. You know, I think, you know, it will happen. It's just matter- it's just a matter of time. I think, you know, that really I think, you know, we want to fight, but, you know, well, Bob and, you know, Al Haim and, you know, everybody else. I, I call them the guys in the suits. What the guys in the suits really, you know, want – they want to make sense money-wise. You know, they want to make sure everybody get their slice, you know, everybody get their fair share, you know. So, they want to make sure that's right before, you know, before the fight happens. You know, I think that's the same thing before the pack out. You know, they didn't fight. The money was so big, you know, they had to fight. So, I mean, everybody want to make sure the money's right and everybody get their fair slice and then, you know, the fight will happen. So, now it'll definitely happen. I mean, it'll definitely happen. It's just a matter
0: of when. Uh, you you talked about how you've looked on the net and you've seen what people have been saying. Do do you do you get a laugh when people talk about you and Terrence Crawford and uh, Errol doesn't want that work. Uh, Errol uh, I think is avoiding him. You get a chuckle when you see that type of stuff that's on the net when people compare you to.
1: Um, a little bit, a little bit. I get to, uh, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it kind of. I get agitated. It just, just depends on what move I'm in. Sometimes I'll be like, man, what is this dude talking about? Or somebody just be talking crazy or reckless. I just, I don't watch it at all. But if yeah. somebody having like, you know, having a fair, you know, you know, a fair go at me and a fair go
0: at Terrence, you know, I may I may watch it. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's what uh, I'm this, they, they've been talking the sport of boxing that the biggest fight right now in the sport would be Fury uh, taking on Joshua. So you're in that welterweight division, though, that is really loaded. What would be the equivalent of Fury versus Joshua in the welterweight division? Um,
1: man, I would say that would have to be probably me and Pacquiao fighting in – in Saudi Arabia or fighting in the Philippines or something, because yeah. I mean, with 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 Fury and Joshua fighting in in the UK, that'd be crazy. That'd be what, Wembley is where they hold like 80k, right? Oh, it's ninety thousand. Yes, oh, yes, they'll set that place out. Ninety k easy for that fight. It'll be a huge fight. Just the talking that. That Fury does and you know how he high, high up the fight and stuff like that. That'd be a huge fight. But Fury gotta give my boy Deontay his <laughs> his, his, his run back, man. He gotta run that back one more time before before he moved on and try to fight Joshua. But but that would be a huge fight him and
0: him and him and Joshua. that would do that do 90k easy. Did did you take a pause when when Deontay uh suffered that loss to Fury because Fury kind of dominated um the the second fight were you were you as shocked as many of us were just how convincingly uh Tyson Fury won the second fight
1: yeah yeah I was shocked I was, I'm not gonna lie I was shocked like just how how he controlled the action like from the start from the start to you know when the fight was over you know and I think you know you gotta credit that more to um to um what's his what's his trying to name Sugar yeah uh, yeah
0: exactly um Obviously, out of the Crunk, Jim yeah, uh, Emmanuel, yeah, yeah. Emmanuel Stewart's nephew, yeah. Yeah, uh, Sugar Hill. Sugar Hill did a great job making yeah. him come forward.
1: Yeah, making him come forward, making him use a jab, making him stay long. And you know, I feel like you know he he changed him up a lot. You know, he was more aggressive too. And I, you gotta give him credit to the coach. And you know, he gave him kind of that that Crunk style. You know, and uh, you know, you gotta credit him a lot. But you know, I I I, I can see Deontay being. I hope he's more focused and I hope he's, you know, he's, he's, he's training. And, you know, he hasn't been talking much and, you know, hasn't been coming out. So, you know, I hope his head on straight and, you know, he's ready to, you know, get his title back. You know, I'm being rude for him. He's always been supporting me through my career and stuff like this. So, you know, it's only just to, you know, just to support him. And, you know, he's a, he's a hometown guy. He's an American kid. So, you know, I'm always going to root for, you know, my, my country, man, just like Absolutely. how they root for their, for their guy from the U.K. You know, I, I, That's why I don't like either. I don't like how, you know, different American guys, you know, you know, root for, you know, the guy Tyson Fury, to, and he's from the U.K. When all the U.K. guys going for their guy, you know, all the yeah. boxers going for, you know, Tyson Fury, and all the fans are going for Tyson Fury, and then we got guy, people here that's, you know they got split support, and a lot of Americans are going for, you
0: know, Tyson. Period. out. you know, I don't like that at all. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you there. And considering both of you guys former Olympians, mm-hmm. and and you're right. You go over you go overseas, you you saw that when when you fought Kell Brook. I mean, they are behind their fighter through, yeah, thick, the guy and, yeah, through thick and thin. Yeah, thick and thin. When I when I fought Kell Brook, like the whole week, it
1: was cool. It was like, you know, hey, want to take pictures. The day of the fight, man, I was getting mean mugs. You know, looked at dirty, <laughs> man. I thought I had something on my face or something. Man, the way they're looking at me, so you know that's you know that's how it is over there. Like their hometown guy, they're going root for the guy that they're going you know back. They guy a hundred percent. And with us, you know, we don't root for the we don't root for our guy a hundred percent like that.
0: Um, who is Errol Spence's favorite fighter right now? Who is the guy fighting right now where you turn on TV you say, Oh, I got to, I gotta turn it on. My guy's about to step into the ring because you just enjoy watching that person fight?
1: Um, right now. Um, uh, I would say I love some chocolito. Really? Yeah, like Roman Gonzalez, Chocolito. Yeah, you're bad, <laughs> dude, Bad, You're <laughs> bad dude. Yeah. Yeah, I I love some of him, uh, um Jamal Charlo, Jamal and Jamil Charlo. You know. It might be kind of crazy, <laughs> 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 They're my dudes, man. I, I like I, I love they a little they style, man.
0: No, rep in Texas, I see. You oh, keep yeah. it in Texas. Oh, yeah. You keep it in oh, Texas yeah. with the Charlos. Um, what was your toughest fight? What was the the last fight where you were in there and you sat maybe in in between the round and you said, "Boy, I gotta bring my lunch pail with this guy."
1: Um, probably probably the Kell Brook fight because the Kell Brook fight. I mean, that was my longest layoff. It was like like eight, nine months, and um, you know, just going over there and eating different food and you know, just you know, just you know, the training camp and stuff like that. I went over there like two weeks before. And uh, just training at American Gym, and just you know the food I was eating, and you know where I was running at, and stuff like that. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't really. I was kind of used to it anyway because like my international uh, fights as an amateur and stuff like that. But they helped me out a lot. But you know, I I would have rather much been home and fighting at home. But you know, it was a it was a big experience, especially you know when I got there and you know fighting in front of thirty plus. Of your rival fans, and you know, they booing you and throwing chocolate, chocolate, chocolate stuff at you when you're coming out and things like that. You know, it was was a lot of difference. And um, I think it was a, it was a, you know, it was, it was, it was great to get over. Once I got over it, I was like, man. And then me watching it on on YouTube and watching on TV, I'm like, man, I found in front of 30,000 of my fans. I mean, not my fans, but his fans. and. You know, beat him and shut them all up, and then and the crazy part about it, once I beat him, and you know I looked at the crowd, man, everybody was gone. <laughs> yeah, everybody was gone. There was nobody in the crowd. I'm like, where the hell everybody is? Everybody was gone, man.
0: Like, it just cleared out.
1: But it was crazy. beat their you know, champion. and like,
0: here's nothing for us to see. <laughs> we're we getting up out of here. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, and I love this because you've given me the opportunity a couple of times to see your camp. And I know before, I mean, obviously that was when you first became a champion, a world champion. And there were a number of people who doubted you because Kell Brook was such a big, strong welterweight at the top at that point. And I had gone to your camp, and I'm sitting there watching you spar heavyweights for like 12, 10 rounds, and I was telling everybody, Errol Spence is going to beat this guy, man. And they were looking at me like, what do you – I'm like, Errol Spence – I just saw this guy spar heavyweights for 10, 12 rounds in, uh, what, a 100-degree gym. It was 95 degrees in Dallas, and inside that gym that you trained in, there was no air conditioning. It was like 112. I already knew that you were going to win that fight just from some of the training that you went through. So – uh, it was no surprise to me. I wanted to definitely uh, throw that out. In, in light of that, what was your best performance as a fighter?
1: Oh, my best performance as a fighter. Uh, um, I think. I mean, the Mikey Garcia was a was a was a good performance, but I mean, I feel like I feel like I would have stopped him if if I would have took not training that seriously, but. If I would have been as serious as as out of camp as as I was inside camp, because I mean it, it really led it really bled into an inside camp because I was like one eighty something, you know, doing a whole little press tour and all this and that, and then you know even like the day of the, the day of the weigh I had to lose like three four pounds. Wow. And yeah, I was in a I was in a sauna suit, and then in the I was in in the sauna in the sauna suit. And I didn't sweat to probably like 30 minutes to an hour being in, in the sauna. And I'm in there just shadow boxing trying to lose the weight. And I lost the two, three pounds being there for like hours and change. And then um, they made the weight and things like that. But, you know, it was just hard losing the weight and, you know, running with a sauna suit on and sitting in the tub, in the hot tub, you know, with, with Avaline on trying to sweat and trying to lose the weight, you know, for the fight. So, you know. I feel like it was a great performance, but I just didn't have the power to, you know, to really, you know, put it on like I wanted to. to.
0: Wow. This is what I love about the LSP, the Last Stand Podcast. We get that inside information here. Yeah. You get to drop three, four pounds on fight, basically the day before the fight for Mikey Garcia. That's that's interesting, man. Um, what would you say is Errol Spence's biggest win? My biggest win. Thus far.
1: Um. I would say the Caleb the Rook. The Caleb Rook, to me, was my biggest win because, you know, a lot of people doubted me. They thought it was too early for me to go overseas and fight a guy in his hometown who was, you know, arguably the best, you know, welterweight at that time. And uh, to go over there and to beat him in his hometown, not only beat him, but stop him, you know, was just huge for me mentally. And, you know, just, you know, mentally it was, it was very huge for me just to, you know, overcome that and overcome that little mountain you know, get to their top. So, you know, that it was great for me, man.
0: Uh what fighter you think is the biggest threat to Errol Spence Jr. right now? Mm. Uh right now
1: I feel like let me see. What fight is the biggest threat to me right now? Ooh, I mean, I don't feel like, I really don't feel like right now any fight is a threat to me because, you know, just how focused I've been and how I've been eating right and, you know, drinking nothing but water and I don't even drink Gatorade because it got too much sugar in it. So, you know, just how I've been focused and, you know, and hungry and and I got a, I got a good story too that I really never told anybody. Come on, give it to it. That's what this podcast is all about, EJ. It was my pro debut. And it was my pro debut. And you know how the Outer Olympians go to uh, go meet the president and shake okay. his hand? Yeah, and um, basically everybody went. And it was in my training camp. So it was in my training camp. And the president was Obama at that time. <laughs> it, was, it was in my training camp and things like that. And everybody trying to get me to go. My dad, my coach, everybody like, yo, you need, you know. Like they really wanted me to go meet Obama, but I didn't want to break training camp, so I didn't go. <laughs> I didn't go shake go meet Obama to shake his hand. And everybody went like Marcus Brown got pictures, Shrag, Luchey got pictures of meeting Obama and shaking his hand. But you know, that's just at that time, that's how you know how hungry I was. You know, to win and just you know stay dedicated. That you know I wasn't gonna break camp. You know, to go meet the president. You know, it wow. was Obama. I, I wasn't gonna meet. Wasn't gonna break wow. him down to meet him. Either. So yeah, that was that was at that, at this time now. Like now, I should I should have <laughs> I
0: should have <laughs> broke him and met him. <laughs> Especially the way we are politically now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I should have shake his hand at this time. Like man, but you know, first black president. This yeah. and that. I mean, but that time is just how. Uh, you know how dedicated, and how hungry I was. I was like, man, this is my pro debut. I'm not like to miss no two, three, no two days, one
0: day, or nothing. You know, to go meet anybody. I don't care who it is. <laughs> That's that is great. Uh, how long do you see yourself fighting at 147? How many more fights do you have in you at 147? Um, really, just I mean, probably three fights.
1: Three fights. It could be three. It could be two. You know, I really just want the big names. I just want, you know, Pacquiao before he retire. You know, Terence Crawford. You know, and if I got to fight a Danny Garcia or anybody else, then I will. But you know, really just the big names before I
0: move up. Hmm. And and, and when you move up, is it 154? Do you go to 160? 154. Uh, 154. 154. Up, how long do you see yourself fighting? Um,
1: I would say till um, I want to start when I'm when I'm 34. Well, something funny because Ab told me uh he was like you gonna you gonna stop early or <laughs> he told me oh it won't be with him <laughs> so <laughs> so um yeah I I can see you know 34. When a, young, when a young guy start beating me up in the gym, yeah, I know it's time to, you know, <laughs> to hang it up. When I'm starting to get beat up by guys that or my reflexes, not how they should be, and guys that I'm used to beating up on or beating me up in the gym, I'm like, yeah, it's time to hang it up. So, okay, so for,
0: for the record, that hasn't happened yet is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, it hasn't happened okay. yet. Okay. When a young guy <laughs> start beating me up in the gym and start doing what they want to do with me, I'm like, yeah, I'm
0: good <laughs> <laughs> Are you beating me up? Nah, I'm done. Right, right, right. <laughs> they start hitting you and looking over you talking about man down. It's like, okay, yeah. I got to get out of here, right? <laughs> yeah, start
1: rocking me. I'm like, yo, yeah, nah.
0: Not well, on the podcast, we always let uh, the people who support us and listen and watch uh, send in questions. We got a lot of them for you. So we're going uh, <laughs> to go right through them. And uh, we'll start with uh, this one we got from Facebook. A guy named K.S. says, will you indeed fight in 2020?
1: Um, I would definitely fight in 2020. Hopefully, you know, this, you know, this, 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 um, this, um, the corona issue would, you know, be done. And, you know, um, hopefully I'll be fighting around, you know, October, November or whenever when the sports world open back up. So um, I've been training, focus and keeping my way down. So I'll be one of the first couple of guys that, that will jump out there when they open back up. So, you know, hopefully I will be fighting in 2020. That's my goal, and that's my plan,
0: to be fighting in 2020. Uh, Dub De Niro from Facebook asks, Errol, no BS, what really happened when you sparred Floyd? <laughs> I don't know. It was good work. Number good work, man. Number what, good work. Now, was it, was it one of those things where you got beat up? Did you get taught a lesson? Or did you walk out of there and say, yeah, I held my own? Oh, I held my own. Definitely. I
1: definitely held my own. It was just, you know, great work. Like, just sparring him and just, you know, I never, I, I never really never imagined myself sparring for a with So once I sparred him, it, it really, for me, was just, you know, learning. It's just... I never been in a training camp too where you know a guy like his caliber was training for a fight. So I was just you know following everywhere, just taking notes. I was just like a sponge, soaking everything up, you know how he hit the bag, how long he hit the bag, how long he hit the mitts, you know, um, you know what he do after after training, uh, when he goes to the gym, what he does, and things like that. So I was just watching everything that he do and just soak soak it in. So for me, it wasn't all. Oh, I need to beat him up or I need to embarrass him. It was more I need to learn everything that he's doing because, you know, he's our market jordan of boxing, so yeah. Yeah, you know, I never learned everything while I'm in here. And how old were you
0: when, when you got that sparring session? Um, I think I was like twenty one. Okay, you're a young buck. You a real young buck then. Yeah, I was young. I mean, I yeah,
1: I <laughs> I think I only had like
0: three or four fights. Like Yeah. Yeah, I was a baby. Now, was the punches hard or were they sharp? What what were they like? Oh, well, his punches are sharp.
1: Like with him, his his is, you know, super sharp, super mm-hmm. sharp. But, you know, it was it was good work. I was I was hundred percent focused for, you know, sparring him. I was probably gonna be early. <laughs> if I know how to spawn, I'm probably gonna be early. Like, you know, i <laughs> Floyd, like I gotta I got I gotta you know, I gotta put on for everybody, you know, who's looking at things like that, you know, for it wasn't the one that just put on for them. It was just just to, you know, impress him. And they're like, man, like, this kid
0: can fight. Yeah. I
1: like him. He can go.
0: That's great. Um, Wayne Bailey from Facebook asks, uh, what do you think about when you're walking to the ring, and how do you decide what song you're coming out to? Oh, with me, I usually find out my song.
1: Well, before I started getting, like, performances and, you know, people – come to walk me out like Yellow bees and Freddie and them. You know, I used to man, I didn't find out my song for probably the night of the fight or the morning of the fight. They'd be hollering like, what song you want? And then i just ask my friends and then they just go through and they'd be like, hey, you should play this. So, I used to ask my friends, yeah, my friends and just, just ask them what song should I come out with. That was before I started getting like live performances and things like that. So, now I just you know, if they're from my city and they're rapper from my city, you know, I'd rather just put them on and you know, and use them and get them some light and you know, use them for somebody outside the city who don't really care for it, don't either. And what do you think about what are you thinking about as you make that ring walk? Oh, what I'm thinking about, I'm really just you know, just telling myself to stay focused. So, you know. And just making sure I get out the first round. Can
0: you can you recall the last fight where you were like nervous? Like, boy, this I I, I haven't felt these butterflies, these butterflies in a while. Can you remember the last fight you had that kind of feeling? My pro
1: debut, I was nervous.
0: Like after that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like
1: my first couple fights. I probably nervous, but like now, I don't get. I don't get nervous at all. It's more. It's more. As soon as the ring walk, like I probably be more nervous. Like sitting, sitting in the hotel room, watching TV, you know, waiting on, you know, going to the arena and stuff like that. But once I'm in the arena, especially like the ring walk and me standing in the ring, I'm not nervous at all. I'm more. I'm more focused.
0: More ready at the the task that's that's at hand. Yeah. All right, Errol. We've come to the last segment of the show. We call it the Last Stand. (laughs) I'm going to give you a series of questions, Errol Spence. You tell me the first thing, not the last, that comes to your mind. You ready? Yep. All right, here we go. Pound for pound, who is the best fighter in the world right now? Canelo. Who's the most overrated fighter right now? Uh,
1: Nobody popped up on it. (laughs) 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 Who might who might fight up on I me? Mean, nah, nobody fights up on me. Who, who's the
0: Who's the fighter you dislike the most? Keith Thurman. Mm, why is that?
1: Know, he's just persona. I don't. I think it's persona. I don't know. He's just whack to me. He's <laughs> whack. He's whacking me. <laughs> I don't know. we just somebody who's. Just the way he's talking and everything just come off far away. So <laughs> so, I couldn't even be his friend. I couldn't be my friend on the outside.
0: If we weren't in the boxers, I wouldn't be cool with him. And so you you don't ever see a uh, uh, Errol Spence, Keith Thurman fight coming about? I
1: mean, I don't see it unless, I mean, I really don't see it. I mean, it could happen, but I don't see it. It's, it's not something I'm just looking for. I mean, I was looking for that, you know, for like four years straight. And once that didn't happen, I was like, you know, he kept he kept writing me off and kept, you know, basically saying, I got to do something. I got to do this. I got to do that. Or uh, well, I'm not this. I'm not that. So I was just like, whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, who is on the Errol Spence Jr.'s Mount Rushmore of all-time great boxers? You know, there's the four four presidents up there in Mount Rushmore. Who's your Mount Rushmore of all time great boxers? Ray Robinson,
1: Ray Leonard, um, Ali, of course. Uh, one more, one more. Uh, man, I put Floyd in there for the Myer. I mean, he's you know he's a go to Meyer so. I,
0: Not even before my era, so I got to pull Florida. Hey, those are some great ones you had there. Uh, I'm going to say a name. You just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Terrence Crawford. Skill. Danny Garcia. Hard puncher. (laughs) There we go. Errol Spence Jr. My man, I surely appreciate you spending the time with me. It's great to see you. It's great to see that you're healthy again. And I can't wait uh, till this pandemic is over so we can, you know, embrace and, and, uh like we used to. But it's oh, just yeah. great to see you. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for having me on, too. Absolutely. Folks, that's what we do here on The Last Stand Podcast, biggest names in sports like Errol Spence Jr., the unified champion. That's going to do it for the LSP. Again, we'll have another big guest for you. We'll see you next week.